0: Uh, listen, open up your Bibles. Uh, hopefully, you're already in Colossians 3. Colossians 3 is where Andres began, and it's where we're going to just sort of sit for these next two weeks. We've been here for a while, but Colossians three sixteen says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, and that we're to admonish and teach one another. In fact, some of our singing, we're going to look at this more next week, but some of our singing is actually intentionally teaching one another. Do you know that our worship is actually God-directed and it's actually bi-directional? That means we're actually singing truth over one another as well. That's the power of being uh, together as a family right now um, in your living room, wherever you might be watching, or out on the lawn with us as we get to hear each other lift our voices. You know, growing up in my home, I was from a divorced home. So on some Sunday mornings, I would uh, watch cartoons and hang out. And on the opposite uh, Sunday mornings, every other week, uh, it was all about a smorgasbord on our house uh, on Sunday mornings. Now, smorgasbord is German for lots of food or something. I'm not sure what it means exactly, but try typing it in. You'll be thankful for spell check. Um, But it meant that, that I could walk along this buffet table And I could pick out everything that I liked and take as much of it as I wanted, and I could skip the things I didn't like. Do you know what I like? I still like it. Tapioca pudding. But I knew my parents would check to make sure there was some real food. So to get to the tapioca pudding, I would load my plate up with other things I liked. Macaroni and cheese, mashed potatoes, garlic bread. All right, come back. I know your stomach is taking you off in a different direction. Stay with me spiritually. Um, I guess I'm a carb guy because that's what I would load my plate up with. And then I would get to the tapioca pudding. We used to eat at a place called the King's Table uh, after church. And that was just such a great part of Sunday mornings for me. You know what I loved? Um, that, That that was actually not Sunday mornings. That was Sunday afternoon after church. I am so thankful that I grew up in a church uh, that didn't have smorgasbord take place during church. You see, smorgasbord was for after service. During service, it wasn't a smorgasbord. Here's what I mean. It's possible. In fact, it's not possible. It's common for many churches, for many pastors, for many priests, for many leaders in the church, for many Christians to treat the Bible like a smorgasbord. Walking along, taking the parts we like, and leaving behind the parts we don't like. The Bible is to be taken as a whole. The Bible is to be taken as a whole. It's God's story. It's what he's like and what he's up to beginning to end. I love how Tim Keller says it. He says this, God hides himself in history, but he doesn't hide himself in his word. You're confused about what's going on in 2021 already, and we're in January. You're trying to process. In fact, you should be thinking well about 2020, thinking biblically about 2020. What is going on? God, what are you doing? Where are you? How long? When? What's up? There's confusion as we live the days of our life. The Word of God, though, is really abundantly plain and clear. It's why we return to it again and again and again in all the seasons of our life. We took two weeks talking about the reliability of the Bible. If you haven't gone back and listened to that, please go back and listen to that. Because what I'm going to talk about for the next two weeks builds on the idea that the Bible is fundamentally reliable. It is a rock to build on. If we don't have that in our head, what we will do is we will read the Bible when we feel like it. We will do the hard work of discovering the truth of the scripture when it's convenient for us. Many of you have been anemic in your spiritual life because that's how you've done it all your life. I'm here to show you and tell you there's a better way, and I hope these next two weeks, we're going we're gonna to slow it down. We're going to slow it down. I know I talk fast. We're going to really slow this down, and it's not going to be as theoretical and, and up here. We're going to really try to hold your hand and give you the tools that you need to open the Bible for yourself. All right, I know you're in Colossians 3. Flip open to John chapter 15. In John chapter 15, I want you to look at it yourself because there's an amazing uh, conversation that takes place, and it's, it's revolutionary for how we see the Scripture and how we engage with the Scripture. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, these are the first four books of the New Testament. If you go about two-thirds of the way into a physical print Bible, that's where you'll find the start of the New Testament. If you're on an iPad or a phone or something like that, you're just scrolling around trying to find the gospel of John. Here's what John fifteen fifteen says. It says, I no longer, no longer do I call you servants for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. Jesus said this on the night before he was about to be murdered by wicked people. It is a profound truth that is gifted to any disciple of Jesus. Here's a truth. Everyone comes to Jesus as servants, as either willing or unwilling, submissive subjects, to the one who has all authority and power and say and wait in any given moment of any given circumstance we come as we are to Jesus. Here's the way an old hymn says it, it pointing out that we're deeply flawed and that we're needy. Listen to this line, guilty, vile, and helpless we. That's our state. Now it's talking to Jesus. Spotless lamb of God was he. But Jesus invites us in as friends. It goes on with this line. It asks and proclaims this idea. Full atonement, can it be? This is a a song I used to sing Uh, before I'd go to Smorgasbord. We would sing a hymn just like that. In fact, we sang that hymn. In becoming friends with Jesus... We are broken free from our captors. The world, the flesh, and the devil. Ex-lovers that we at one time all thought were our friends. But Jesus changes all that. Jesus changes us from servants to friends by the miracle-working power of of his love. With that in mind, and with this idea that we're now friends with Jesus because of his invitation to us, the nature of our communication changes. Look at how this complete verse reads: John fifteen fifteen. I left a part out. If you were paying attention, let me start at the beginning. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant doesn't know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. That last line is showing us this radical new nature of communication we have with Jesus. Not just as servants, but now as friends. I pray this for you. I pray that the Bible becomes to you a cherished message from a friend. The Bible's more than a rule book it's more than a manual on ethics or a checklist for christ. It's actually all of those things, and that's a good thing, but it's so much more. The Bible is a mirror. The Bible's a love letter. The Bible is a warning sign. The Bible is a morsel of chocolate. The Bible is a call to arms. The Bible's an engine light on your dashboard. And the Bible is a comforting, weighted blanket. You can truly enjoy your Bible because by giving yourself to the Bible, you are gifted God. You get God. Remember, we don't study the Bible to learn about the Bible and to know the Bible. We study the Bible to learn about and know the person of God. As Christians... You should radically alter your life to ensure you are reading the Bible daily, understanding it correctly, and living accordingly. I said this three weeks ago when we started this series, that our life should be altered radically, whatever it takes to ensure that that is going on. Here's what I know to be true. I know this this to be true from personal experience. I know in my experience as a pastor, and I know from the Word of God, that you develop your life in God as you eat the meat of God's Word. God has chosen this as a method. Now, it's not enough that someone else searches the Bible and then shares what they find and what they discover. Those are helpful things. But offering at church is not paying your pastors. Hey, go go do the hard work of finding this stuff out and just give me the answer. That's not how this works. That's not how God set it up. In fact, many people go through much of their Christian life missing out because they are eating pre-digested food and they are not being fed the hard way. Isn't it easier to eat pre-digested food? Of course it is. Now, uh, if you're if you're weak in the stomach, uh, let me just warn you, it's going to be gross out time, just a little bit, okay? Um, but I have here an everyday banana. Not that thrilling, not that exciting, pretty normal. And um, I actually like bananas quite a bit. And what I'm going to do here is I'm just going to take a bite and, and eat a little bit of it, okay? Hang on. Okay, there we go. Now, <clears throat> let me see if we can get... That's awfully bright. How can we angle this? We didn't pre-test this, clearly. There we go. There we go. <laughs> now, I offer to you. I offer to you the banana right here that is now sliding down the plate. Oh, that's gross. Or I offer you the banana over here in the peel. Um, hopefully... Unless you're a baby or unless you're bizarre, um, I hope you would take the banana on my left and your right. Okay? The banana over here has been pre digested by me. If you're a baby, that's really, really good. You need that. If you hand this to a baby, uh, they will eat it because they eat everything. They they will put it in their mouth, but they won't get any nutrients from it whatsoever, right? Babies need it to be opened up and offered in this format. Now, I'm going to get really gross. I've got some of my favorite snacks here, pistachios. Not really. I'm not going to keep doing this. You're going to get the point by just seeing this visual and saying, please don't do that ever again. I don't promise that I won't eating pre-digested food versus going through the process of eating it yourself. This is why people do not progress uh, progress and grow up in their faith. Uh, here's Here's the biblical language for this. By the way, Bible studies parents, friends, older mentors in the faith, community group leaders, pastors, preachers, sermons, books, commentaries. Man, those are all great things. Hear me clearly. I lean on those all the time every week. But every one of those acts as a multivitamin. It acts as a supplement to the rest of your meal. What's the rest of, the, uh, of your meal? The rest of your meal is you learning how to take the banana, peel it, and chew it up for yourself. There's a mystery to all of this, but God works in that process. There's a process in learning how to get the nutrients out of pistachios. There's a process to you opening, reading the word yourself, and, and gleaning from it. Here's what Hebrews 5.11 says. It says about this, whatever he was talking about, we have much to say, but it's hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. Watch where this goes. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature. For those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. That last line is so key. Those who have their powers of discernment trained. How? By constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Goes on to say in chapter 6, Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity. You will mature as you feed on God's word directly. This is the process God has chosen. Go with it. Now, I have great news today. The Bible is readable. It's so accessible. This is a great week for you if you are new and uninitiated to the Christian faith. Maybe you're a brand new believer. Maybe no one ever took the time to explain these things to you. This is a great week for that. By the way, three little buttons allow you to share this link. I've already shared this link with a couple of people I already knew what was coming. I said, hey, this might be a a benefit to you. Some of you aren't new, but maybe you feel ashamed that you don't know how to do this. Maybe you've gotten stuck. Maybe you've tried reading, and you feel like you've been at this too long. You've even led some ministry or done some ministry. You feel known, and there's somehow shame attached to saying, hey, I feel stuck. I don't know how to get the most from my Bible. Can you help me out? This is a good week for you. Now, there's a whole segment of you that what I say today will be very much review. Let me challenge you with two thoughts. One is, if this is review, do not sit there bored. Don't skip forward. Don't look for something else on YouTube to go search and tickle your ears. Instead, maybe you have something to learn from a different vantage point that you haven't heard before. But maybe, and maybe more importantly is this. Don't sit there bored, ask this question. If I already know how to do this, feed myself from the word, if I'm actually doing this, who am I teaching to learn and live the truth found in scripture? Maybe this morning is just gonna is just going to sort of pique your interest and go, oh, that's right, that's a good way to explain it. I'm going to pass this on to a person I'm discipling. This is the Christian family way. Those who are older mentor those who are younger. Don't wait to be asked. Go and find someone. Pursue people. Come alongside. Look to build up the church. Is that my responsibility? Absolutely, as a Christian member of this church. That means it's your responsibility, Christian member of this church, to also build up this community. Remember this point from last week? You want to test the reliability or grow in the reliability of Scripture? Teach the Bible to others. You want to have your powers of distinguishing good and evil and what does the Bible say and what's God's heart on this issue and when should we remain quiet and when should we speak up and how do we act with courage to love people well and offend them and how do we back off and show up? How do you know how to do all that? You do it by mentoring someone. You do it by risking engagement with someone. If you don't have enough teenagers in your life, I love teenagers. They will just ask you the blunt, honest, hard question. I've got some I can share with you. There are teenagers around this church. There are teenagers in your community. Man, go and ask them. They're going to be honest. They're going to ask the real question and not leave it at surface level. So if the Bible is so readable, why on earth take an entire sermon, actually two weeks, on how to do this? And maybe you're asking this question, why do I feel stuck? Why do I so often try and then get bogged down? These are great questions. Let me pray and then we'll dive into what I hope are some solutions. God, I pray your spirit working in the way you do, spirit, that you direct, download, teach, guide, open the eyes of sheep that are yours. God, we have curious onlookers all the time who sit in our church, who come to church on the lawn, who look, who, who look online. God, I pray that uh, for those searching, for those coming near, God, that, that you would welcome them in. That you would give them spiritual eyes to see what's happening. God, I pray you would use uh, my preparation this week, my voice, uh, this technology. We pray that it would all be used for your glory, God, that, that we could feed directly on your word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, if you're taking notes, i want to give you three hurdles to overcome, okay? Let me tell you this. You can overcome these, by the way. These are hurdles just to explain why is this challenging. I've broken into three categories. The first one is spiritual. You have an enemy of your soul. If you haven't figured this out yet, there is a villain to the story you are living. We just did a wedding here. Marriage is hard. I pull no punches on that. Marriage is exceedingly difficult. Why? Because there's an enemy of our soul. Why? Because we're broken people. There is an enemy to your story. And if Satan can't stop us from our duties and delights as Christians, he will work overtime to either discourage us or distract us. Have you been there? Discouraged? Distracted? He's the thief that comes to steal away the treasures of Scripture. He's like a little rat that gets into your pantry and drains the grain of all this goodness from the Bible. Here's the clue. Don't let him. Be on your guard for this. Satan wants to distract you or discourage you. If he can't do that, he will do that to your closest friends. He will do that to your spouse. He will seek to get after you. Do not let him. Know that discouragement and distraction are our enemies and great tools in the hands of the enemy. So act accordingly. Put up safeguards just like you would a thief and a rat. In an extraordinary conversation that takes place between Jesus and Peter, the leader of the apostles, um, is found in, in Matthew 16, Someone on live chat, just jot that down. I'm not positive that's in your notes. Actually, it is. It's in your notes. Matthew sixteen twenty three. It's short and to the point. Ready? Here it is. But he, Jesus, turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Andres began this service with Colossians 3, 1 and 2. Set your mind on the things above. Then and only then will you be walking in the path God has for you. We have a role to play in this. Read the Bible with you at the center and you will do more than misunderstand the Bible. Do you know the number one name in the Bible? It's David. Do you know what my name is? David. That means more than Jesus, more than Moses, more than Peter, more than all the rest. If I were to look at that and say, wow, the Bible's about me. I would not only misunderstand the Bible and miss the story God is telling, but catch this, I would actually be a hindrance to God. Jesus calls Peter Satan. Why? Because he was acting in accordance with what Satan does. Satan has set himself up to oppose the will of God. How did it all come about? It was spiritual. Was there anything wrong with his eyesight or his physical ears? It was that his mind was on the things of man. The things of this earth. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says this. The man without the spirit... Does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. That's a really foundational point here. When you are discussing things with non believing neighbors and friends and family members that you love dearly, you would give your life for them, you love them so much. Do you know that they cannot understand the treasures of of the Scriptures unless God opens their eyes to it? They're spiritually discerned. So the number one hurdle far and away is spiritual. But rejoice! You don't just have enemies in this spiritual development. You have allies. God gifts His Holy Spirit to live in us. Those of us who belong to Jesus Christ through faith... And he gives us other people. Walk with the spiritually wise. You'll become spiritually wise. Psalm 1, sit in the seat of scoffers and mockers and the worldly that have their mind on the world. You will become worldly. If Jesus calls Peter Satan, what about us? When we have our set on worldly things. The greatest spiritual help is that God is drawing you to read your Bible. God is drawing you here on this beautiful Sunday, summer-like morning to hear a word from Him. That's your ally. He has you curious. As one of His sheep, you hear His voice and you want to follow it. And when you hear His voice, you want to hear it all the more so take heart here's the second hurdle the second hurdle is just practical john chapter 6 verse 26 i'll put it on the screen it's also in your notes but it says this jesus answered them truly truly i say to you you are seeking me not because you saw signs but because you ate your fill of the loaves do not work for the food that perishes But for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. Look carefully at this verse, and what you will see is you will actually see both of these hurdles, spiritual and practical, lived out in this passage. This is when the crowds were fed miraculously by Jesus, And they all come looking for him, and he calls out their motive. He calls out their intent. They are seeking free bread. They're not seeking Jesus as the bread of life, which is where he will take this conversation. But they are seeking a free meal. They are focused. Their minds are on their stomachs. Do you see the spiritual hurdle here? What's the spiritual hurdle? Their mind is on their stomach. Their God is their stomach. That guy gave us a free meal. I've got a large family. Let's go, kids. We're lining up. Jesus is calling out that they're missing the bread of life in favor of the free meal. You can raise your hand if you want. I won't see it or no. But how many of you love the Dole Whip at Disneyland? I do. Man, those are so good. I didn't know about them until I married my wife. But this is like going to Disneyland for the Dole Whip. Like, all you have in your mind about Disneyland is is Dole Whip. So from San Jose, you would drive, you know, eight hours, including bathroom stops and traffic. You would show up. You'd pay, you know, an exorbitant amount of money. You would get in there. You'd rush in. You'd fight the crowds, all to get to the little Dole Whip stand. Is there more to Disneyland than Dole Whip? You bet there is. Does Dole Whip exist within the realm of Disneyland? Yeah, it does. But it's such a tiny part. Don't come to Jesus for the free bread. Don't come to Jesus to get your fill with some nice Christian people that you can kind of fill up your social calendar. Don't come for the potluck. Man, there's so much more to life in God. All right, that's the spiritual hurdle. What's the second hurdle? The second hurdle I said was practical. What do I mean by that? I mean this. Jesus tells them plainly to work for the eternal food. Work for bread that's eternal. Now here's another tension, another paradox, seeming contradiction. But doesn't he say in this passage, work for bread that's eternal, and I will give it to you? <laughs> so there's, there's the tension. We live right in between here. The practical is this. This will take some effort. We are to seek it out. We are to put an effort. We're to pursue this eternal food. Remember that spiritual appetite and physical appetite, the nature of our eating is opposite. In other words, physically, uh, probably in just a little bit, you will all be hungry for lunch and you will eat. The more you eat physically, the less you want food, right? Spiritually, it's exactly the opposite. The more that you eat spiritually of the bread of life, of the word of life, the more you hunger and thirst for it. So if you haven't been reading for a long time and you're waiting for your appetite to kick in, I'm going to tell you this at the end again. Start now. It works exactly opposite of how it is physically. You know, any new thing requires effort and growth to learn. First day of middle school, right? Um, Driving, moving to a new city, getting a new job, learning a new sport or hobby. Some of you have read your Bible for years But God is calling you out into the deep, to a new thing. Maybe you've had a little devotional that you've gone through year after year after year. That's great. God's calling you to more. God's calling you to deep. This is going to take some effort. Now, I don't know what's going on with the world right now, but there is a severe shortage of artichokes. Has anyone else paid attention to this? You conspiracy theorists, please let me know what's happening. Trader Joe's still sells the Globe artichoke, but that doesn't cut it for me. I'm talking old school, whatever the other variety is. My wife actually went on a hunt for artichokes today to have a visual aid. Here's why. When we were young married and didn't have other energy to put into kids, we were the artichoke evangelists. We loved artichokes so much. We had so much joy with the artichoke that we wanted others to experience it. So we would invite other young couples that were young married, we'd invite people from the church, and we didn't just invite them over for artichoke, that would make the story awesome, but it's not true. But we would serve artichokes any chance we got. Now, if you've never seen one or eaten one, you'll know that an artichoke um, doesn't wanna be eaten, right? It's got like these little thorns and it's all, it, it takes some assistance, it takes a little bit of training to get at the artichoke, right? But, but what we would do is we would take you on a journey and we would be with you every step of the way and we would show you how to peel the leaves and it would build, it would just get better and better, more and more tender until what do you get, what, what are you left with with an artichoke? Say it with me, the heart. Oh, the heart of an artichoke, so good. But some people give up on the journey right at the best part, Why? Because they're tired of peeling off leaves the flavor hasn't changed much and then there's that weird hair right you've got to figure out how do how am i a barber doing artichoke well there's a there's a great little method you can do just get all that out of there and then clean it up and then a little bit of mayonnaise oh man i'm salivating right now literally thinking about this um how many people give up before they get to the prize why a little bit of practical help would have gotten them there I mean, just a a little bit of hand-holding to say, no, 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 keep going. You're doing just fine. I know it's a little weird. Keep going, and you'll get there. How sad for those who have heard great things about the artichoke, said, oh, yeah, I tried that, and I found it gross, and so they've moved on. Replace artichoke with Bible. Many, many people are in that same camp. There are practical hurdles in fact, there's practical hurdles to reading, not just reading the Bible. Um, I've got several visual aids up here, just to pique your curiosity. There's a little book I would recommend to you. It's called The Soul in Paraphrase. The Soul in Paraphrase. What it does is it, it helps modern readers glean from classic devotional poems. This is something that God just been drawing my heart to probably for the last five years. I'm not naturally a poet or drawn to the effort to glean from poetry, but this book is amazing. It's sort of like art across the ages, and it's been so enriching to my devotional reading. Now, if if I need help with current authors to figure out what are they even saying, how much more people who wrote in 1517... Right? I'm going to need some help to understand it. There are some practical hurdles that I need to overcome. Let me tell you how I do it. I do it by humbling myself to be led by someone who is further along. The guy's name is Leland Riken. He's the one who compiled these, and he helps me along. I've humbled myself to his teaching and leadership. Now, remember the banana. You're saying, Dave, I thought you just said you're supposed to read it yourself. Aren't you just doing the banana chewed up thing? I'm a beginner at poetry, but hear this. Read it yourself doesn't necessarily mean read it by yourself. Man, this is gold when it comes to Scripture. Read it yourself doesn't necessarily mean read it by yourself. Many, many times I have my own children sit next to me and they read from the pages of Scripture. They don't have understanding. They need help with the words. But they are beginning that process of reading it for themselves. But they're not reading it by themselves. Six-year-old, go to the corner and memorize some Scripture. I don't think that's all that helpful. That wouldn't help me. They're reading it for themselves, but not by themselves. That's so key. So you've been given a community group, you've been given parents and friends and brothers and sisters, spiritual and otherwise, to read the scriptures with them. So here's how I do this. I read a poem. Uh, First, I just read it by myself. I read it slowly and carefully. And then what comes next is this. There is a little section called notes on selected words. There's archaic words that have fallen out of use, and I don't know them very, very much. So I might read the word dearth, and the author Leland Reichen will say that means famine. I didn't know that. I don't use that word regularly. Or um, "agues," which is diseases. So, so there's words that are just help. So there's a, a short section on here what some of these words mean. I go, oh, okay, that makes more sense because I had no idea what that meant. I realized that it you know, was, was needed help. Then there's a short section of commentary on what the theme of the poem is, on what the author's trying to do with the sonnet. And as he breaks it down and sort of gives me the bone structure, I go, oh, yeah, I sort of felt that but didn't know what was going on. So I read that short portion, then I go back and I read the poem one more time. It's this short. Again, this is blindingly white. That's okay. Um, but, but what it is, it's just a short little read. And I just grab this once in a while, and I am really enjoying it. As I go back and read it slowly a second time with some of those practical helps, man, so much more jumps off the page. We just sang this at Christmas time. Don't you love Christmas songs? I do too. Some of you are like, yeah, but I'm glad it's going to be a year until I have to hear them again. Let men their songs employ. Why am I reading poetry? Because through the ages, poets have employed their pens to the glory of God. And it's been sitting here in writing for a long time. And God's been opening my eyes to it. And it's so incredible to sort of see the scriptures uh, just put out in poetry. The Bible often requires these exact same kinds of help. All of it is inspired, but not all of it is equally accessible. And not all of it is equally important to your spiritual growth right now. So get some help. You know, imagine a young mind wants to come and learn and walks into the library to read. With absolutely no assistance, there's a good chance that young mind would go and start pulling books off the shelf and start to try to read them and get quickly discouraged and leave the library. We've already talked about the fact that the Bible, although the word Bible just means book, it's really a library of 66 books. So the practical help is this, humble yourself. to to come in and say, hey, I need some help knowing where to start. I know this is a library of books. It doesn't read just like a normal book beginning to end. Can you help me with this? And then be open to some guidance. Those of you teachers, those of you who have this question asked of you, have them put their eyes on the scripture themselves. So often I don't bail people out when we're here in person. I say, let's open up to Luke, whatever, and and I just have you look at it. I want you looking at it for yourself. I invite the criticism of saying, hey, if you read this and you're not seeing what I'm seeing, let's talk about it. This is the path. This is the process that God uses to grow us up. All right, thirdly is intellectual. There are intellectual challenges. A few of us have gifted minds at remembering and understanding things Um, And that mind remains sponge-like for a lifetime. What does a sponge do? A sponge quickly absorbs and retains information, knowledge, concepts, precepts, and then can transport them, and it could very quickly be squeezed and given out to someone else. For the rest of us, it takes a lot of work to do that. So, back to that practical hurdle, this just takes effort. Work for the eternal food. It takes effort for me to absorb, retain, and squeeze it out and give it to someone else. Do you know how it's gotten easier? By doing that over and over and over again. So, think about this. uh, even, so, this is a great example. Thank you, Lord, for just allowing this to happen right here on screen and with my friends in church. Uh, even with all the work that I put in, um, doesn't, doesn't your mind often like mine forget like an elephant and wander like a 12-week-old puppy? Okay, that, that's mine. I, 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 am, I am in this all the time, and still I find myself forgetting and wandering, forgetting and wandering calling back to it, set my mind on the things above, set my mind on things above, not heart of jokes. So this takes effort. Take heart because God is able to get his message to you. Apply yourself to the task. God has given what you need to add to your faith knowledge. So partner with him and seek it out. All right, let me very quickly... Nope, I'm just going to hit pause. We will get to that next week. I'm out of time because it's communion week. I'm halfway through the sermon. I slowed it down, didn't I? And so now we're left without a time. Um, I'm going to pray. We're going to begin to take communion. And with communion, I want to just say this. Uh, here's, a, here's a lyric from a song called Remember Me by the, by the band down here. And it says this. So we drink the wine and break the bread. Our senses will remind our heads from now until kingdom comes, proclaiming what is carved in stone, a death that only one could own, so many would come to know. Let me pray. God, I pray right now as we sing about this scandal of grace, God, I pray that as we sing, that we would examine God, you have called us to examine ourselves, to test ourselves. And Father, I pray a blessing over people who are stepping into Bible reading for the very first time. God, I pray they to have the wide-eyed wonder and trust of a six-year-old, that they'd sidle up next to you, open their word, and just say, Father, Daddy, help me with this. And as they stumble along, as they read, as they glean, God, that you would feed and grow up your church. God, thank you for family. But I thank you for um, people who are patient, teachers. God, for those who love to come alongside and say, no, 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 don't feel bad asking that. Let me help you with this. Now let's try it again with that understanding. God, so many of us could just attest to that. In fact, Lord, maybe as as an act of encouragement, you would have us write to our, our old youth pastor, to, to write to our old community group leader, to write to our parents, to write to that roommate in college that, that took time to grab our hand and show us how to feed ourselves from the word of God. God, we love you so much. Thank you for calling us friends. Thank you for showing us what we need for today. We trust in that. In Jesus' name, amen.